Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that networks refuse to use. No doubt starts now. This is the broadcast for February the 11th in the year of our Lord, 2023. This is our one of two in the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, to promote God, family, and country, to use the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers to restore the Republic using the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America. Welcome to the broadcast. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Quick recap, we were not live Friday. You wanna know why? I was in a meeting uh, with the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, myself, Sheriff Richard Mack. We were meeting with the True the Vote people, TTV. True the Vote, we are talking in detail about how we can move forward to stand for liberty, to reject voter integrity problems and to create transparency and accountability in our elections. I don't care about those who claim that, oh, there's no fraud. Others who say, oh, there's fraud everywhere. Look, folks, I'm not here to debate it. I'm not here to have you call me a nutcase. I'm not here for any of those reasons. I'm here for transparency and accountability. All right? And we need to make sure that happens. And we, the people, can do it. Set aside all the labels. Set aside all the allegations, set aside all the opinions, and let's investigate honestly, third party, transparently, audit, investigate, and get to the truth. Welcome to the broadcast, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Just a quick recap. We were not live Friday because of that reason. We were meeting with those folks and putting together some tremendous information that will be coming out soon as we organize it, put it all together You will be part of it, my fellow Americans. I'm excited, excited, excited about that opportunity. All right, now, we were live Thursday. We had on Brian Rust and Kelly Finnegan, Honest Money Report. We talked about constitutional currency. We talked about you have a friend in the honest money business, rustcoinandgift.com. And we talked about Twitter outage leaves some users unable to tweet. We talked about, quote, shame. The Donald Trump White House asked Twitter to censor Chrissy Teigen's tweets. Why? Because Chrissy Teigen was not very complimentary of the Donald. And you know what? I'm sad that she has those views, but you know what? I'm going to defend Chrissy on this one, Donald. Sorry, buddy. Chrissy has every right to her opinion. Now she crosses the line of libel and slander. We need to talk about that saying things that are blatantly untrue. But there's a big difference between expressing her opinion, which she's entitled to, and libel and slander. Donald, you promised us when you were in office that you were going to go ahead and change those laws to appropriately deal with these issues. You did nothing, sir, that I know of. And so you know what? I defend Chrissy Teigen on this one. Not that I defend Chrissy or her comments, but that I defend her First Amendment rights. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, this is not partisan politics. The knife cuts both ways, and we got to stand with the truth. The principle is she has every right to her opinion. Like it, dislike it, doesn't matter, whatever you think. 
What matters, folks, is did she cross the line into liable and slander or libel and slander? If she did, then we need to talk about it. If she didn't, then you know what? She can call him a jerk, a goon, whatever. He can call her ugly, whatever. None of that matters, folks. You can say those kind of things. This is America, not China. Don't forget it. We also talked about Louisiana rep Clay Higgins. He told former Twitter executives to prepare to be arrested. Why? For alleged criminal interference in the 2020 elections. Yeah, during a House Oversight Committee hearing on Twitter censorship uh, last Wednesday, Higgins accused Twitter executives of working with the, quote, Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, to suppress the Hunter Biden laptop story. The month before the 2020 elections, in order to hide criminal evidence against the Biden family. He warned the social media executives that after the investigation, arrests would be up next. That would be the next step. I agree with him. But I will also say this. Remember, Twitter executives, just like everybody else, deserve due process of law. So I get it. I support it. But I also want to say they need a fair chance before their accusers. They need to be able to uh, get all information on the table. That's why I think the greatest reality TV show would be if the American government and Twitter uh, and all these people would make it transparent. You know what? That's what the Democrats tried to do. So why don't we just say transparency for all, baby? What's good for the goose is good for the gander, etc. By the way, Twitter users have now erupted over First Lady Jill Biden's lip lock. Yeah, the makeout session, almost not with her husband, no. With second gentleman <clears throat> Doug Inhoff during President Biden's State of the Union address. I don't know why Jill Biden kissed. Vice President Kamala Harris's husband on the lips. It was not just a peck. It was weird. It was so strange. No one even knows how to respond. Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders also responded. She was the Republican response to the event. The choice is between normal or crazy. Uh, I really disagree, Sarah. I think it's between crazy and flat-out psychotic. Um, there is no normal in the Republican Party either. Normal would be you to return to the Republican Party platform. Okay? And I don't think the platform is perfect, but it's way better than what we see on Capitol Hill in the political theater. Right? All right. Zoom CEO announces 1,300 job cuts. Says it's so bad he's decreasing his own salary 98%. Wow. Americans are becoming reluctant to make larger purchases, new federal report shows, because the economy is so bad. We also talked about the meat substitute market, you know, the fake meat garbage out there, impossible burgers and such. Yeah, it's collapsing after its, quote, meteoric rise. With key players in the industry facing massive layoffs and suffering because of dismal Sales. I could have told you that. No one wants that fake crap. No one wants that stuff that might, you know what? Genetically modified, you might grow a third ear, whacked out crazy, experimental stuff, pretending, masquerading as science. Nobody wants that garbage, okay? Utah gas prices jump at the pump. 
Governor Spencer Cox says he's feeling the pain. Just so you know, the guy makes $150,000 a year. He ain't feeling no pain, folks. He just lied to you. Disney is cutting 7,000 jobs. Yeah, the new, brought back new CEO. He's brought back because he used to be there, but he's new because he just started again, right? Says he doesn't make the decision lightly. Well, hey, Mike, you going to cut your salary, buddy? Didn't think so. That was hour one on Thursday. Hour two, we had our guest on Nan Su, Epic Times China expert, Q&A on the Communist Party spy balloon, and Chinese espionage, theepictimes.com. We also had Dr. Scott Bradley with us in that Nan Su interview. And we talked about the U.S. failed to detect past Chinese spy balloons. That's what the government wants you to believe. My response is not. That isn't true at all. They've known about these. They just didn't report them, ladies and gentlemen. I say it's not only a spy balloon, but weather warfare. Exposing the fact that weather warfare is being waged. Weather as a weapon is being foisted on we the people. We talked about the film that the Epic Times put together to highlight some of the concerns Nansu discussed. It's called The Final War. A hundred-year plot to defeat America. Threats from the Communist Chinese Party, CCP, aren't just directed at the military and the government sectors, folks. China's war is being fought everywhere. The CCP has influence in our workplaces, our schools, our churches, and even in our living rooms, ladies and gentlemen. We talked about an exclusive story, debt toll rises nearly six-fold in Chinese city amid COVID wave, internal documents show. We finished up by talking about how Hunter Biden's, I guess he uh, and his, uh, what's his company called? I guess the Penn Biden Center must register as, listen, foreign agents of China. Oh, isn't that interesting? They didn't do it. Therefore, more scandal in the Hunter realm. All right. That's a recap of the broadcast that took place on Thursday. Friday, again, meeting with our dear brothers and sisters at TTV. True the Vote. They're doing a phenomenal job. They have a hotline. Go to truethevote.com if you have any questions about that. You can get a hold of their hotline. Tip line is what it's called. And you can go ahead and make a difference. Uh, for solutions. By the way, did I tell you we're going to be going to the incredible event, the Freedom Fest, freedomfest.com in July, July 12th through the 15th in Memphis, Tennessee. We'll be there broadcasting live. Sheriffs will be on a panel uh, talking about border issues. We got a lot going on with that. So be ready. Check it out freedomfest.com alright when we come back Chris Carlson on your radio as the United States boldly stepped forward in the glorious light provided by its new constitution in 1787 
The nations of the earth were in awe of the newfound strength and hope of this free land. Today, the nation stands at a crossroads. A divergence from the original intent put forth in the United States Constitution has brought grave threats to our beloved nation. A miracle is needed if the United States is to survive. That miracle is again the pure application of the United States Constitution. I'm Scott Bradley. In my To Preserve the Nation book and lecture series, I bring forth truths that will help raise up a new generation of statesmen like those noble Americans who founded this land. Vigorous application of these principles will invigorate and restore the nation, and we may become again the freest, most prosperous, most respected, and happiest nation on earth. Visit topreservethenation.com to begin that restoration. Former Sheriff Richard Mack recounts in his book the proper role of law enforcement, how he came to realize while working as a beat cop how wrong the all-too-common orientation of police officers is when they think of their job as being to write tickets and arrest people. Richard Mack tells of his personal transformation from by-the-number cop to constitution-conscious defender of citizen safety and freedoms. Learn what it really means to serve and protect. Purchase your copy at CSPOA.org. That's CSPOA.org. Do you know what is great about America? Ask an Immigrant. Ask an Immigrant is a new podcast dedicated to helping Americans, especially our youth, value, appreciate, and be grateful for the freedoms we have here in America. Join host Lydia Wallace-Nuttle as she interviews immigrants from around the world to discover their inspiring personal stories about why they came to America. To learn more about why America is the most prosperous, greatest country in the world, download the Loving Liberty app or go to lovingliberty.net. Welcome back to the Roundtable Live with Sam Bushman and Chris Olson on Saturday morning. And without God, we cannot win. With God, that's pretty much we need to be engaged in this. Lieutenant Carlson reporting for duty, sir. And today, Sam, we are going to talk about a pamphlet that was written 247 years ago called Common Sense. And it was written by a man by the name of Thomas Paine, who was an immigrant during the Revolutionary War. And uh, he was a corset maker, so he knew uh, about the government in Britain at the time because he had worked in Great Britain uh, much of his life, and then he immigrated to America. And when he saw the struggle that the, the people were having uh, to declare and to consummate that Declaration of Independence from Great Britain, he was writing a pamphlet that, that they called Common Sense. Now, the interesting up until that point, a lot of the pamphlets um, justifying uh, separation from the mother country, which Great Britain was, to the colonists in America here, was that common sense was written in a way that appealed to the common man. And he knew that in order for um, America to cost that time to affect the, uh, the independence that they were trying to affect, that he had to appeal to the common man to convince them that their cause was just and worth uh, dying for. And uh, the common sense, uh, they, they printed thousands, hundreds of thousands to uh, many of the soldiers, for example, during Valley Forge, which was a very difficult time for the colonists. Um, and the soldiers sitting on the 
independence. Uh, it was a very, very uh, difficult time, and a lot of them were thinking that maybe this isn't worth it. Uh, they were freezing. They didn't have adequate clothing. They didn't have adequate bail for uh, engaging in war. And they were thinking, that, you know, maybe it, it was time to just hang it up, and they had a lot of defectors. But, uh, in, uh, in fact, it was uh, February 14th that came out, and like I said, was distributed widely among the colonists at that time. And uh, one of the defining uh, expressions in that document was government is but a necessary evil, Sam. So let's, let's start right there. Thomas Paine says, um, uh, government, even in its best state, is but a necessary evil, and in its worst state, an intolerable one. And that is 100% true. And at insult to injury, he offers the undeniable observation that, quote, we furnish the means by which we suffer. And as if uh, it were necessary to put a finer point on this already painful reality uh, by stating that government, like dress, is the bad loss innocence. And, and that's true. In a lot of cases, he, he justifies that by saying that were the impulses of conscience clear, uniform, and irresistibly obeyed, man would need no other lawgiver than, than of course, God. This is not being this is not being the case. I add. Um, however, he laments the fact that man, and this is Thomas Paine again. I'm going in and out of the, the, this quote. Uh, Thomas Paine says you know, that man finds it necessary to surrender up part of his property to furnish means for the protection of the rest. Unquote. And then I add to that, as if we had a choice, we don't. <laughs> you know, living under a government. But at least in a republic, it's, we have it's a important thing, to discuss a little very bit, Chris, minuscule. too. It's important to discuss, too, a little bit, Chris, the understanding of Thomas Paine, uh, the common sense document that he wrote. It was a 47-page pamphlet. And what I find interesting in America today, we don't really have pamphlets. We either have books written uh, or we have a little, I don't know what you want to say, um, blips, uh, entries on, on blog posts or whatever. Uh, but pamphlets were a very valuable way that they communicated back then. It was a way to quickly distribute something small. It was fairly easy to print comparatively. It didn't require the, the near the, the binding that a book required, etc. And so pamphlets were favored for that reason. They were long enough to really get the job done. Uh, they were short enough to be easily uh, printed and distributed. <clears throat> it's kind of different than the way... We operate today, and it's really important to kind of understand that that principle or that situation. Um, it's instructive to realize too, uh, when we talk about the pamphlets, that um, you know they were easily read and digested by people. Uh, it reminds me, you know, when I was a little kid in high school, yeah. uh, I had an, an English teacher, and I always, you know, used to say to him, "How long does this need to be?" Because I'm not a good writer, and so whatever I had to write, it was just like, "Oh boy." Can't I just deliver this as a speech? And he said, no, Sam, you can't. you got to learn to write, too. And uh, anyway, but I'd always say to him, how long does this need to be? And he would say this. Think about it like a woman's skirt, buddy. It needs to be short enough to keep it interesting, long enough to cover the subject, buddy. And I used to just go, oh, boy, and walk away as a teenager and kind of mad. But I get the point. I understand what he's trying to get at. You cannot not cover the subject adequately or you got a problem. But at the same time, if you make it long and boring, hey, so, you know, it, it's like that. And we really need to realize common sense fit that perfectly at the time, Chris. 
It really did, and you have to realize, unlike today, I mean, I get magazines all the time in the mail, and they usually end up in the garbage, and, and it's sad because, you know, that represents what and uh, printing it. But back then, if if you got a hold of a, a document, it didn't matter what it was. It was read because you, you might not get another uh, chance to read something. So uh, people read it from cover to cover, and it instant. And it created a paradigm shift, the likes of which was absolutely indispensable at that time. Yeah, and like not I said, only, I'm sorry to keep interrupting. Not only did they read it cover to the cover, time. not only did they read it cover to cover, but remember, because it was a pamphlet, it became a resource guide. When people would debate these discussions, these incredible uh, four independence pros of the English writer, they literally uh, used phrases from that. So what pamphlets do is they let you then you know, debate, discuss, but it's short enough to find the spot you need, but long enough to give you the ammo you need, so to speak. Uh, what I mean there is it was a brilliant way yeah. um, that you could really understand and apply what you learned, a brilliant way that you could take pieces of it and quote it and understand it and dissect it and re, I don't want to say retweet because they didn't tweet then, but republish, re-promote pieces of it that's why there's a few phrases you and i i don't know if you know that pamphlet alone is 47 pages but yet we can quote phrases from it or if you hear phrases they sound so familiar for the very reason that i'm telling you it was their way of echoing this information through repetitive education and repetitive discussions to to get this information in the hearts and minds of the people it was brilliant at the time anyway i don't mean to go off on this forever but i want people to really understand the value of it and how it was positioned and why in their day, Chris. Yeah, and it makes you wonder if this pants ever been distributed as it was. Yeah, you know, we would have gotten um, as much off the ground this this cause for independence as we did, and obviously the results are positive in, in favor of liberty and freedom and and the United States of America. But he taught, well, let's just hit on some of the more salient points in the document. Uh, let's talk about uh, He wrote about the uh, the British government back then. It's today. It's a hereditary monarchy like they had back then. A lot of the principles are, are the same because we have pretty much degenerated into a government that is very much similar to the one that we declared the independence from. Uh, what was it, 247 years ago. So he talks about the, the British government these terms. Absolute governments, though the disgrace of human nature, have this advantage with them. They are simple. If the people suffer, they know the head from which their suffering springs. And then he goes on. I don't want to read everything uh, that I included in the document here, but I will, here's my comment. Here. I said, our federal government today let me give an example of how, how monsters our government has grown to over the years. And then I'm going to compare it to 1967, the year you and I were born, Sam. You get an idea of how out of control. So this year, 2022, our federal budget was $6.272 trillion. Okay? Our GDP was $24 trillion. So I did the, the math. So 26% of America's blood, sweat, and tears was consumed by federal government. That's not even including local governments, the state governments, Sam. 
26% of our blood, sweat, and tears is being absorbed by the federal government alone. If you add local governments and state governments, it's probably closer to 50%, which is a travesty. Okay, let's go to 1967. And if you add interest, Chris, it's even way more than that, buddy. Yes, yes. That's that's another aspect of it that I didn't even think about when I put this in. Okay, here's All right, let's hang so tight. Right after the it. pause, we're going to get it done, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Sam Bush, but Chris Carlson's with me. We're talking about Thomas Paine. We're talking about common sense. We're talking about government complexity from which we suffer. We'll talk more in seconds on your radio. Pursuing liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Jeremy Scott. More survivors have been pulled from the rubble of a 7.8 magnitude earthquake that hit Turkey and Syria. Two women rescued on Saturday are among 67 survivors who have been pulled from the rubble in the past 24 hours, according to Turkey's vice president. The death toll from the earthquake has now topped 24,000. Over a million people have been left homeless. Five million people in Syria alone are displaced. About 80,000 people hospitalized from the earthquake. The Pentagon says it shot down a high-altitude object that entered U.S. airspace. National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby says the military had been tracking the high-altitude object over Alaska for 24 hours. The object was flying at an altitude of uh, 40,000 feet and posed a reasonable threat to the safety of civilian flight. Efforts are underway to recover debris from the object said to be the size of a car. It is still not clear if the object is from China or is related to the surveillance balloon that was shot down last weekend off the coast of South Carolina. The White House is throwing cold water on reports that President Biden will give a pregame interview with Fox News on Super Bowl Sunday. The White House says it has not signed off on any exchange between the president and the network. As for the game, Las Vegas is the next best thing to actually being there. According to a new study from NJ.Bet Sportsbook, Las Vegas is the number one place to watch the Super Bowl. The report looked at pizza accessibility, the number of bars, the number of liquor stores, and game day travel safety. Miami and Atlanta took the number two and three spots, and next year you'll get the best of both worlds when Las Vegas hosts Super Bowl 58. Oh, and in case you're wondering, Las Vegas is home to 59.4 pizzerias and 167.4 bars per 100,000 residents. In Las Vegas, I'm John Schaefer. This is USA News. You love your pet, right? So imagine if you were suddenly faced with thousands of dollars in veterinary care. What would you do? Could you make the difficult decision not to help your best friend? If you join PetSavingsUSA.com, you never have to make that choice or face those kind of expenses. That's because Pet Savings USA members enjoy discounted pet insurance to cover both standard and emergency vet bills. In addition, members save up to 50% on staples like food, toys, and treats, all at major pet retailers. You'll love By texting 64,000, you agree to receive recurring automated marketing messages from Babbel. Message and data rates may apply. No purchase required. Terms apply. Available at Babbel.com slash DNC. I always wanted to learn Spanish, but I never thought I'd have the time. Then I discovered Babbel. Babbel's last are fun. They only take like 10 or 15 minutes, and in three weeks, you're starting to speak another language. Babbel's lessons are voiced by native speakers, so you get the pronunciation just right. If you want to learn a language, there's no better way than Babbel. Text radio to 64,000 to try Babbel for free. Text radio to 64,000.
Thomas Paine, ladies and gentlemen, penned the following words. Government, even in its best state, is but a necessary evil. In its worst state, an intolerable one. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. We furnish the means by which we suffer. Common sense, by the way. Uh, This really helps people kind of understand. We're getting to the same sufferable situation as our founders. Is it different? Yes. Do we suffer less in some ways? Yes. Do we suffer more in other ways? Yes. What we suffer from today, ladies and gentlemen, is absolute government complexity. The likes of which, ladies and gentlemen, not only have we, the American people, never seen in the history of our nation, but the world has never seen in the history of the world. The more they have technology, the more they have tracking capabilities, the more they have massive taxing capabilities. Let me give you one example to make the point. In recent years, <clears throat> you know, sales tax used to be something that you would pay when you bought something locally. But if you bought something from a Sears and Roebuck catalog back in the day, or you bought something <clears throat> from a different state or whatever, you would never pay taxes. Now they all want your money. So now they have taxing systems. Avatax is one of them. There are several out there. And these complicated software solutions in the cloud have the ability to tax any jurisdiction they want to. So in all 50 states now, they're pushing for, hey, if I buy something from Florida and I live in Utah, they want me to pay a Florida tax to buy that from Florida. All right. Well, I don't know if you know, but there's 3,000 plus counties in the nation. There's also thousands of cities and all of them have different taxing jurisdictions and rules. Where I live, there's a 7.25% sales tax. If you go 20 miles north of me, it is a 7.75% sales tax. And so in these thousands of jurisdictions now, they've got software that can absolutely track it and force you to pay. If you don't pay, you get audited and all kinds of fines. They never dreamed of that type of situation. They never dreamed of such incredible complexity. Chris? No, um, and I am surprised not at the complexity uh, that with which we are now uh, laboring, but with the fact that we're still as prosperous as we are, Sam. I thought Army would have collapsed a long time ago under such such burdens, but I think the powers that be, like we've talked about in the past, they want to keep the system going. They don't want there to be chaos and collapse. But um, getting back to the, the thread that I was developing before the break, so I talked about how 20% of our our labor is consumed by the federal government alone, not to mention the local and state government, like, like you were talking about, sales tax. But if we go back to 1967 and we see how much different it was, first of all, our federal budget was only $112 billion, not even close to a trillion dollars. And now our, our $0.272 trillion. 
I mean, that is just mind-boggling the increase over the last 55 years. And uh, at the time, the federal government consumed only 13% of what the hardworking taxpayers produced. Now, you compare that to 26, that's some pretty easy math. Even I can do that, Sam. That's half. We only paid half of what we uh, earned collectively to the federal government. And now we're up to 26%. But that doesn't include, like you say, interest payments. Yeah, and some say like if you do the county, the city, the state, the federal, the going on and on, it's close to 60% of all you earn, Chris. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, I've heard those statistics before. It's probably about that. Um, we're probably about 50%, which is a travesty. That that doesn't even sound good on, on its surface. Even if you're well, it's social, grievous but, to be born, isn't it? It, is, it certainly is. And one more number I'll throw out there. So since 1967, and this is within our lifetime, Sam, so I, I specifically chose 1967 because of that fact, we, we have increased our national budget, our, our uh, federal budget by, oh, we, well, it was, let's, do, let's put it this way. It was 1.79% of what it is today. So you do the math. It's like 50 times. It's like 50 times what it was back then. I think like 55 times. That is just mind-boggling within our lifetime, Sam. So talk, we'll talk about complexity of government. You know, Thomas Paine uh, points out that back then the English government was complex. Well, he should um, – he's probably watching from heaven, you know, seeing our terrible situation. So that, that, that kind of um, illustrates that point, the complexity of government. And all these, these principles that he – was was talking about and was trying to get the, the the American people to come to grips with about the English government from which they were declaring their independence are true today. We have just as much justification, if not more, declaring our independence from our current government as we did 247 years ago, Sam. That's the sad thing about this document. Okay, let's talk about misplaced attributions. And the government, as you and I have discussed in the past many, many times, Sam, um, becomes an idol god. And even back then, you know, people, they, they literally worshipped the king uh, of England. They thought that he was uh, chosen of God and had to to reject him. Uh, of course, the colonists overcame that <laughs> that propensity. To, to reject him um, was blasphemy. He says, the prejudice of Englishmen in favor of their own government by king, lords, and commons arises as much or more from national pride than reason. Therefore, laying aside all national pride and prejudice in favor of our modes and forms, the plain truth is that it is wholly owing to the constitution of the people and not to the constitution of the government that the crown is not as oppressive in England as it is Turkey. So we, we think that we have the ideal government, our, our kings, in, in the case of Great Britain, uh, are appointed by God, and you know, that it's because of him that we have the prosperity that we have, when in fact it is not. It is because of the virtue of the people that prosperity exists in our society. And as but the thing about it, Sam, is that governments are always reflections of the majority of the people. We can say the same thing about our two-party system today. Our alignment along party lines is more akin to our sense of rivalry such as that which we feel while watching the basketball game or the Super Bowl coming up tomorrow, which I won't watch by the way because I, I don't um, desecrate the Sabbath day with sporting events. 
Um, but but that's what government has become in America because we have some parts. We're like a uh, baseball You know, we, we have to root for our side. You know, they may be SOBs, but there are SOBs. we got to stand behind them, which makes absolutely no sense. We need to quit worshiping government and, and look at government as a means to an end, not an end to a lot of people. And this existed back in the days of the Revolutionary War. There were still some soldiers, still some citizens uh, amongst the colonists who felt that you cannot reject the King of England, and they they were called Tories. And um, a lot of them left town, uh, but a lot of them stayed. Anyway, so Thomas Paine goes on to say uh, that that simply stated that uh, it arises as much or more from national pride than reason and is wholly owing to the constitution of the people and not to the constitution of the government that the crown, which is in Turkey. Now, I don't go Turkey into the bus. They're having a lot of problems, but apparently back then Turkey was one of the more oppressive governments. That's why he uses that analogy. And he goes on to say, Sam, um, as a man who is attached to a prostitute is unfit to choose or judge us. So preposition the constitution of government will disable us from discerning a good one. Now that's some pretty strong language when you compare a government to a prostitute. Okay? And uh but but those those were the powerful uh that's the powerful language that he used con- to convince the people that they were being Exploited by the British government. And pilots um, are are hard to break. Loyal to the, loyalty to the King of England was no exception. That rule. We as Americans may feel as if we hey, Chris, do not suffer from the disease of idol worship. Yes, sir. I don't mean to interrupt you. I just got to know this though. Do you got your wings for the game? There's a game tomorrow now, James. Or, do, do you got it? Are you ready to go? You know. You ready to fire I up the pleased. Super Bowl, buddy? You know what? I am pleased to report, Sam, to you right now that I will not be watching the Super Bowl. The fact that Ooh. so many people Whoa. worship that game to Are me you be okay, makes buddy? me feel filthy. Are you going to be all right? Buddy? Oh, gonna, I'll, I'll gonna... be just fine. Whoa, imagine I'm, that, ladies and gentlemen. I'm keeping the Sabbath day only. By the way, I'm not watching the game either, folks. Just not going to do it. All right, quick pause. I'll have somebody give me a score, though, and see who wins on Monday. All right, hang tight. Liberty Roundtable Live, Sam and Chris, on your radio. Small Business Tech Guys is a team of experts ready to assist you with any service relating to growing your business. Our team specializes in information and technology, social media, general consulting, and HR. We thrive on assisting startup entrepreneurs with growing their businesses. If it's small business, it's our cup of tea. To schedule your free discovery call today, consider sbtechguys.com. We keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. sbtechguys.com. Have you ever heard of Loving Liberty Ladies? Well, the Loving Liberty Ladies are here to help you learn our American heritage and the way it affects today's society. The Loving Liberty Ladies also have a discussion guide called Proclaim Liberty. And with this guide, you can start your own group in your hometown. Get yours today on our website at lovingliberty.net. Look for our lesson supplements, too. They're free. To hear all the special offers and to join the fight for freedom and liberty, please go to lovingliberty.net. 
Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil, spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present day church, rather it is for the end time church, the body of the line of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. I want to dedicate this song to Mr. Rupert Murdoch. Back with you live and on your radio, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Bushman, hope you're all doing absolutely fantastic. Chris Carlson with me. Hard-hitting talk always at your fingertips. We're talking about the complications of government. Boy, howdy. Is it out of control? Uh, Chris, I'm going to give you a little statistic. I'm going to have you guess first, if you will. Okay. You want to guess how much the budget is for Utah County? Now, Utah County is the county in the state of Utah where myself and Chris both live. Uh, the county's got about 750,000 people in it, so not even 1 million people. Uh, and I want to know how much you think the budget is uh, for Utah County for one year, sir. Any idea? I'm just going to – this is purely a guess, Sam, because I have no idea, but I'm going to say $4 million. What? Four? Four million, yeah. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> All right, buddy. I have no idea. I'm probably way off. I hate I hate to burst your bubble, and I had no idea before until I looked it up. So don't think that I'm smarter than you because I just don't, you know. But here's the deal: Utah County, Utah passes one hundred and twelve million, one hundred and twelve point four million dollar budget for twenty twenty two. Yeah. That that you no, know, I, I knew I was underestimating it. Wow, that's a lot of money. A lot of that money's coming from our pocket. And I might have guessed so more than four million, concerned. but I I wouldn't have even so close to guessed that amount. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I did it purpose just to, for effect. <laughs> but yeah, that's our money. So you know, forget about the federal government. We we've got problems right here in River City, Sam. Yeah, think about that for a minute. $112 million, Chris. That's a lot of bread. How much is that a person, bro? That's being spent wisely. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I'd have to do some quick math on that. It would break my train of thought. So I'll let you want. Yeah, for person. But I would like to go back. You asked me if I was going to watch the Super Bowl. I, I felt just as dirty when I Hold watched on, let me tell you how much it is. You ready? On Tuesday night, Sam. I don't know if you felt that way. Okay, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. $112 million okay. hey, divided by 750000 Ready? What is it, $149? Okay. Hmm. 
good. Doesn't sound too bad. $149, but I can buy a lot of groceries. Yeah, that's just for your know. county, though, ladies and gentlemen. It's not for the other forms of government. That's just the county, right? Oh, yes. That's just the county. All right, keep going. County. I just wanted to put that in perspective a little bit for you. Well, you know, you asked if I was going to watch the Super Bowl, and they haven't watched the Super Bowl since, what, when Steve Young won it, and I, I'm still repenting for that in 1994. But, you know, I watched the State of the Union address, and I felt just as dirty, Sam. I mean, I don't like using and election night. All those things are, are basically the same thing. They're sports competitions. It's our team against every win. You know, when our team wins, we feel as if, you know, we're justified. And when the other team wins, we felt, feel as if we've uh, suffered a setback. So there is a lot of overlap between events like the Super Bowl and political events because they've become as such. And uh, 22 years ago, I divorced myself from that paradigm. I made a paradigm shift. And um, even common sense, I mean, he basically is foreshadowing some of the things that we are now. This Remember, it was 247 years ago that he wrote this pamphlet. Yeah, it was a long time ago. And one of the things that are so important about Thomas Paine's uh, pamphlet talking about the overreach of government talking about what we suffer today um chris is this idea that we need to modern times downsize dc now right that's one of the phrases yeah. you have that i really think uh makes sense there's an organization around that very agenda but we need to downsize dc now and let's talk a little bit about thomas Paine. Uh, and what he really intended to say and intended to communicate government is evil folks and even in its best times, it's a problem. Okay, much of Thomas Paine's pamphlet is devoted to dethroning kings in the minds of the people. Uh, talk about that a little bit, because it's a quintessential point, Chris. All right, our founding fathers, for example, ladies and gentlemen, rallied around the battle cry no king but king jesus god is a jealous god and does not tolerate rejection of his sovereign supremacy in the universe okay that was a fundamental understanding of the founding fathers my fellow americans that was a situation chris i'm highlighting this important tidbit that much of thomas Paine's famous pamphlet was talking about no king but king jesus okay dethroning kings in the minds of the american people god is a jealous god does not tolerate rejection of his sovereign supremacy in the universe this is a really important understanding that we have lost sight of sir yes and he this is what he says in connection with what he just said sam he says and when a man seriously reflects on the idolatrous homage which is paid to the persons of kings he need not wonder that the Almighty, ever jealous of his honor, should disapprove a form of government which so impiously invades the prerogative of heaven. And we've got it just as bad today. Our presidents have effectively become kings. The only difference is they have term limits, which is something that our congressmen had, and we've talked about this in the past, and I still feel that way. Do you want to talk about term limits again, or do you want to... 
assume that we'll uh, you've already lost the debate on term limits, my friend. You can try once again. Uh, go ahead and make your quintessential point that you want to bring okay. up, though, and and then I'll then I'll help you put it in context. How's that? Okay, no, that's fine because I I know we disagree. And here's the thing. So when, hold when on, you hold on, let's be power, clear. And I don't care. Hold on, hold don't on. Don't we don't disagree. I just go along with the founding fathers, and you don't. That's all. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, we thought. I mean, up until Franklin Delano Roosevelt, no president dare serve more than two terms. You know, and that was because we had righteous presidents for the most part, and the people knew that after two terms they should vote them out. Ideally, that's the way it should be with our congressmen, our senators, and representatives but it's not sam and i'm saying because the people have become wicked and have allowed uh the nancy pelosi's the chuck schumer's the kevin mccarthy's to serve term after term after term i think that an amendment should um override the, the tendency for the american people to to perpetrate that evil and you say no they shouldn't and here's the thing people who i don't care if you're a good man or a bad man or a good woman or a bad woman when you spend too much time in Washington, D.C., your distortion of reality becomes distorted. I don't care how good or how, you know, if you go to church every week and if you study the founding documents on a regular basis, you're living in a protective bubble. And if you knew that you were going to have to leave that protective bubble after a period of 12 years or even 18 years, I think that you might legislate a little bit differently. But if you knew... And 99% of them know that there's very little chance that they'll get voted out of office. I believe that they act differently under that perception. So go ahead and see what you can do to contradict yeah, that. So my, my response is the founding fathers disagreed with you. I agree with the founding fathers. You're off on your own with an untried, unproven thought process that you have that has no basis in reality. It's your opinion to which there's no construct of evidence for. And I appreciate that you have that opinion. You're welcome to it. However, the truth is there's as many arguments against that point as there is for. No question when people get in power too long and insulate themselves, they lose touch with reality. There's no doubt about that reality point. However, the idea that you could take a Congress or let's say a senator and force him to only have two terms so he gets elected the second term and he lives six years under the pressure of lobbyists as a lame duck. That will do just as much damage in six years than being elected for 30 years will do. Uh, it'll just be uh, condensed and faster and more abusive because he's going to get his before he gets out of office. I went in poor and I'm leaving rich by dang it. And that's kind of the reality. And so the founders understood this. They tried it both ways and they determined that there is nothing. And let me say this again. There is nothing that can force good government. If the people are not anxiously engaged and involved in protecting their liberty, they will lose it. So, you know what? You cannot make up for the fact that the people uh, have become derelict in their duty, that the people have become lazy, uh, and the people aren't willing to jealously guard their freedoms. There's nothing you can put in place that will fix that. I know you're trying, and you mean well, but all you'll do is create a different series of problems. You won't solve the problem. The only way to solve the problem is for the American people to say, look, We've got a bad actor in place, and we're going to remove that bad actor. Until that gets done, nothing will change the reality. I know you mean well to change it, but the Founding Fathers tried it both ways and voted against your proposal, sir. And so do I. Let me, let me add one element to this discussion, Sam, that I think might be enlightening. You agree with Nancy Pelosi. You agree with Chuck Schumer, and you agree with Kevin McCarthy. 
and the other 435 uh, members of Congress. Doesn't that give you uh, concern that you're actually in agreement with these people? So when you say I'm in agreement with them, not I don't know what that means. They don't want they don't agree. want term limits. They want to stay in I'm office in agree- forever. I'm in agreement. Hold on, I'm in agreement with the founding fathers. Okay. okay. Now, just because just because modern day people agree with that position, mm-hmm. right? That doesn't change the reality of the value of that position. So even a even a clock that's that's you know wrong can be right twice a right. day. Okay. okay, so the point that I'm getting at is just because everybody's right on something, don't give the impression that I agree with them on very much. Okay, I agree that people should be dressed in public. I don't believe people should walk around naked. And so does Kevin McCarthy. So you agree with Kevin McCarthy? Uh, wow, shame okay. on Good you point. then, Chris. See, you're missing Good the point. point. I disagree with them when they're wrong, and I agree with them when they're right. And they're right when they say we should be dressed in public, and they're right when they say we shouldn't have term limits. We already have term limits. You and we, the people, just don't take the action to enforce them. That's all. But the power is in our yep. hands. Why are we derelict in our duty? Okay. Good point. And, you know, we, we agree on more than we disagree on. And we oh, agree 100,000% on the objective, which is freedom and liberty and prosperity. So we just disagree on how we're going to get there. Um, let me add one more point to that. Thomas Jefferson, he was one of our founding fathers, right? When, so he, was, he wasn't he was part of the drafting of the Constitution. He was actually in France at the time that the Constitution was drafted. When he got back, he took a look at the Constitution, and when he, he read Article 2 of the Constitution, which covers the executive powers, he said, this is a bad addition of a Polish king, you know, which in other words saying uh, this, this guy, the President of the United States, he could get out of control real easy because he doesn't have term limits. How many terms can a president serve? Well, nowadays it's two, and I agree. All right. Well, what was it at the start? What does the Constitution say? Well, we were a righteous nation at the time, and the founding fathers probably thought that we would continue to be a righteous nation, but they were wrong. That's why they gave us the amendment process. You have to consider well, that as a factor, too. And Thomas Paine, by the way, talked about what a honest man is. We'll talk about that because George Washington was the most honest man I know. And we'll come back. We'll talk about that in seconds. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Live. Hour one in the can, two coming up. God save the republic. 